Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Alan. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Welcome to Marketing Today. I'm your host, Alan Hart, managing partner of Atomic, combining brand science and creative fire. Today on the show, I've got Russ Finlay, Executive Vice President, Head of Marketing at Hiscox Insurance. Russ recently won the 2016 CMO Club Growth Award, which recognizes demonstrated leadership in the development and implementation of new strategies, tools, and programs resulting in significant company growth. We talk about his transition from consumer packaged goods at Unilever, PepsiCo, among others like IHOP, Major League Soccer, into the financial services world, and why he chose to go there. Well, Russ, welcome to the show. I was wondering if you could start off by just telling me a little bit about your role and what Hiscox is all about. Sure. Thanks, Alan. Well, Hiscox is a, is a specialty insurance carrier based in, in London. We started about 115 years ago, part of the Lloyds of London branch of carriers. We provide uh, insurance coverage for some, for some specialty lines, some special, uh, very unique niche sets of risks. Uh, and my role is the EVP and head of marketing for Hiscox uh, in the USA. And so that role uh, in marketing is responsible for the overall brand, the communications, the PR, the creative, all the direct response, our digital, our, our website, which we transact and sell policies to small business owners uh, over the internet. So there's an e-commerce aspect to it. There's a traditional branding and, and direct response marketing. Great. Now, your background is not in financial services. I, I was looking at your background and you've done everything from 
uh, CPG, Unilever, PepsiCo, worked at Major League Soccer as a head of marketing, um, and IHOP. Um, why financial services? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, they did the, all those that you mentioned, plus uh, with the addition of insurance, doesn't necessarily sound <laughs> like it. Uh, you know, really stitches together cleanly for a, a career path. But I guess for a couple things, uh, I'll get to the to the relatability and why I landed in insurance uh, in a second. But I think that there actually is some some things that hold all those those different companies together, which is really in large part, Alan, the the, the type of distribution that they have. So so now that I'm in insurance and I, I talk to insurance brokers, there are route to market. Previously, the same people who were our route to market uh, when I was in the, the restaurant world at IHOP, they were called our, our franchisees. And prior to that, at Major League Soccer, our, our route to market from the league was, was the teams and the team owners. And even prior to that, at PepsiCo, our distribution center was through our PepsiCo bottlers. So there's an awful lot of similarity, not so much the product, but how the product gets to market and marketing's role in working with those intermediaries to get that product to market. The conversations are extraordinarily similar. So my background in CPG and sports and, 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 and being a restaurateur actually did prepare me to, to, uh, to be, I guess, successful in the insurance space. And as far as getting into the insurance space, it's something that I've, I've always wanted to do uh, an intangible. So I've always kept my eye on and, and looked at, say, the, the financial services industry as a whole, and, and nothing necessarily uh, popped up on my radar, but I always kept it in the back of my mind. And the other thing that I, I liked about the insurance space is that it's actually regulated. So I, I looked at all of these opportunities as, um, as what's, the, what's one of the harder challenges in marketing that, that I, could, I could undertake? And something that is an intangible product in a he heavily regulated industry and with a brand that's relatively unknown, that, that felt like a, like a real challenge. And when I posed that challenge to several um, people in the, in the recruiting business, you know, one of them actually came back and asked me if I had ever heard of a company called Hiscox. And so I, I said no, which I, I took as a good sign of an unknown brand. So, you know, away we, away we went. Describe a little bit more about the intangible and the switch, if you don't mind, from you know, tangible products, especially in the consumer packaged goods world, to, to now intangibles. Sure. I think that, again, as the, to me, as a, really mar as a marketing challenge, having a product that you can't see it, you can't hold it, you can't go to a, you know, a store and look at it, et cetera. It's, it's um, something that you have, to, you have to convey to the consumer in the consumer's mind, if you will. So that makes storytelling and how you bring the product to life even more important in making the brand perceivable and trustworthy and, 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 and known and so forth. It really adds an extra element of, of I guess, pressure, if you will, to, to the marketeer in terms of being able to, to convey all those things that you want to get across without the benefit of being able to to point to this physical thing that you can hold up and say, you know, look at this and feel this and touch this. Or if you're a car manufacturer, you know, just come and come and look at it, come and drive it, come and experience it, you know, tactile kind of way. Those things aren't available in the insurance world and in many cases the the financial services world uh, more broadly. So it did seem like it was a was a very unique opportunity to to gather all you know all that you are as a marketeer and and and, and say well I've I've done these things in the 
in the CPG world, we've got a tangible product, and now am I able to replicate that and do the same types of things in a in a world where you don't have the the luxury of having a product that you can you can look at and touch and feel. Well, before we get too far, I want to say congrats on your 2016 CMO Club Growth Award. My understanding of those awards is they're nominated by someone from the CMO Club member base. So, so essentially, your peers are the ones that nominated you and and um, and put you forward for that award. Curious, what does an award like that mean to you? Well, f- well, firstly, I, I was it came as a complete shock uh, to me. I got an email from a, a coworker who said, "Hey, congratulations, you're." You just were nominated to this, and you're a finalist in this uh, in this award category. Like I said, it was it was news to me that it was going on, so I had to go and and uh, and check into it for myself. Of course, I'm I'm am f- familiar with the the CMO Club. Uh, while I'm not a member of it, it's an invite only club. the The CMO Club is 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 quite well known, so uh, it means an awful lot. I'm very 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 humbled by the fact that somebody inside that club would. Think enough of what we're doing here at Hiscox and 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 how we're doing it and so forth and and even consider uh, Hiscox to be nominated to to do that. So it's very exciting. What do you think it is that you were nominated for around growth? I think that the way we're doing marketing is unlike some of the other aspects of the insurance world, and I think that the growth we've seen uh, as a result of some of what we've been doing have have perhaps been has been unique, I guess. So to be able to do that in in a in a way that is you know noteworthy or stands out maybe slightly has been uh, I guess it must have caught somebody's eye. I guess one of the things that we do, I suppose, we don't just stick to the typical um, tools of marketing uh, in the financial services um, space, if you will. So can you tell me more about that? How how are you you know venturing out beyond the standard tools. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. sure. So, so for example, one of the things that we've we've done is we have uh, we have sponsored um, a number of podcasts. So, to some to some categories podcasts are, you know, they're they're kind of on the fringe, they're not really well known. They're just they're a small a small form of media that is just starting to take off and others are sort of waiting for a, a proof of concept before they they, they decide to to investigate or or um, or spend money further. Uh, we looked at it and said, "Boy, that's it's a really interesting way of getting our point across and bringing our our brand to life." And we've got an awful lot of um, small businesses that we insure that may want to be showcased in how we what we've done for them and what they've done f- um, and how they've gotten into business and and so forth. So we both sponsored some podcasts that really focused in on small business as a as a um, subject and then additional to that we also produced our own podcast and in both these instances whether it was sponsored or whether it was produced we made our small business insureds the subject of of the conversation we've we've gathered stories of our small business insureds because we invite them to to tell us their stories and we chronicle them and put them in our blogs and and talk about them in several other ways but when we were able to bring them to life in a podcast and share them with with um, hundreds of thousands of of other uh, people who were downloading these podcasts, I mean, it really started to come to to life. That's a, that's a small way that we that we do that. We we also when we when we do some sponsorships of certain events, we also invite our small business insurers to 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 play a part in it. So so for example, 
A year ago, we were a sponsor of uh, a, a brand called Tough Mudder. It's, it's an adventure race mm -hmm. series. And in the um, discovery phase, as we were going through this process of getting to know each other and thinking about a potential sponsorship, they said that one of the things that their brand is well known for are these really large obstacles. And they've got a whole entire department that spends a lot of time and energy designing these really notable obstacles. And, and I said, well, well, gosh, we've got we have thousands of architects and engineers that buy their insurance through us. How about we create a contest and you design the parameters, we'll offer it to our architects and engineer clients and see if they want to partake in it. And so long story short, we, we opened up this, we created a contest, opened up this um, opportunity to our insureds. We cut down significantly on the number of hours that the Tough Mudder team needed to spend ideating and creating some of these new obstacles because it was a contest that we ran through our, our business. And we had a whole bunch of, of our architecture and engineers that went ahead and submitted plans and ultimately one of them won this, uh, this contest. So Tough, so Tough Mudder got a design uh, that they felt very comfortable with because they actually made it and now use it. Mm. And our Discox insured uh, architect got a lot of notoriety. And, and we took out a full page ad on behalf of, of them, congratulating them in a, in a trade magazine specific to architecture. So hopefully they, they won more business off the back of that. Another very small example, very quick example, would be where we sponsored the Austin Film Festival. Uh, when we went down there, because we are one of the major players in media and entertainment insurance. We knew we wanted to chronicle some of the events down there. And so we sent an email to all of the Hiscox insured small business owners that were in media and entertainment down in the Metro Austin area, asking them if any, anyone was a, um, a small film producer and, and asking them if we can hire them for the week to come and shoot some shoot some footage, package up some, some content for us and so forth. And we were really overwhelmed with, with responses. They wanted to sure to get some work, but also just to, just to find out hey, who, who are these people that I, that I, that I insure my business <laughs> through. So, so it was really great for them and great for us. And so it's, again, you know, that's a little bit of a, of a few, very few short unconventional ways that we, that we try to go to market and, uh, and create a point of difference for ourselves uh, and also for our customers. It's great. I love the participation component of that with both prospects and customers, whether it's you know, designing the, the new obstacle for Tough Mudder or filming in the, a film festival or around a film festival. There's nothing, I, I can't think of another way you can put your, your clients first in that regard. Um, yeah. essentially helping them make money or potentially right, make money. Right, right, right. One of the things that caught my eye was your tagline, encourage courage for Hiscox. That is not the typical positioning of an insurance provider. So I'm just curious, you know, what, what was the motivation behind that? Yeah, thanks. It's, um, yeah, we're really proud of the Encourage Courage brand platform. It, it really sprung out of the fact that at the center of our our core set of values is this value for us to always challenge convention. And so when we started to look at how we would brand our company in the US, uh, part of that exercise was to look at the competition and what it became, when we looked at the ads of our competitors and really the, all the insurance carriers by and large, what we looked at was a set of ads that taken all together, you know, they, almost all of them were talking about what people had to lose if they didn't buy insurance versus what they had to gain if they did. 
So in short, they they look like they were they were you know to to be honest, they look like they're kind of a bunch of fear mongers, and we didn't really want to have anything to do with that. I personally had, didn't wanted nothing to do with it, and so we we felt there must be a better way to talk about what we offered versus just motivating somebody through fear of of losing something. So we put our heads together and said, right, look, we, we'd, we'd much rather be celebrating the positive power of risk versus the paralyzing power of risk. We thought about, well, what, what's, what is the other side of that, that coin? And the fact that risk is a very, very frequently used word uh, in the business, we couldn't talk about risk so much. So we talked about um, you know, the antidote to, to risk, which is courage. And then after that, you know, the the whole, the you know the platform, the line, encourage courage uh, was born, and it really boils down to what what somebody can do, and how motivated and inspired they can they can feel, knowing that they've got the backing of a brand, a from insurance, but a brand that also feels um, empowering as well. So we want people to to buy insurance. And use that as a as a springboard to what more they can do. So not about what am I going to lose, but now that I've got this this insurance, that does enable me to to think differently, more broadly, more boldly about my business. I'm going to go and and think about taking on that that large client, uh, and not have any fear, or or hire more people, or expand overseas, or something else. So it really, it really, you know, struck at the heart of of us challenging convention in our own industry and looking at the industry and saying, yeah, we know we're there in times of loss, but it doesn't. We don't always have to talk about um, mitigating loss. We can talk about celebrating the the positive nature of of insurance. So that's what we're trying to convey. Curious as well, you know, through this challenging convention, both in how you position company in the in the products and services, but. Also, what we talked about in terms of the types of tactics that you're employing to get your word out, get your message out. How is that driving growth for you? Um, or, or what are the types of things that you're hearing from agents and, and clients or customers? Yeah, we, we, we get a lot of feedback from our, our agents <laughs> and, our, and, our, and our clients. And, uh, and, and invariably, it's, it's very, very positive. We had an agent call us or email us up and say, I think they I think they were responding to some some radio advertising on uh, on national public radio that we did in the summertime, and they and they emailed up and and said we've you've got some some tremendous um, advertising. I feel you know really proud that you're making it easy for me to sell and represent your your um, your product line. So now people come in and, and and ask me for it by name, not just me having to to tell them that this is a company and have it explain who it is and so forth. So it's you know the our brokers and agents like it because it makes their job and their lives easier mm-hmm. to represent and sell our, our product. The end insured, the, pe- the people that ultimately get covered by our product, they, they like it because I think that the message is very inspirational. And, and I think in an, in an intangible product, in a category like this, which you know, I guess if I was being, being kind, I'd say it's a low interest category. If I was being you know, maybe a bit of a wise guy, I'd say it's more like a grudge purchase. And to have somebody say, no, no, actually, I really feel good about about why I'm buying this insurance, and you, you as an insurance company, you, you really understand me because that's that's how I feel. I feel I want to be inspired, and I feel as though I'm going at great lengths to 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 build and drive my business. And to have somebody who who understands them on that level is um, it really hits home uh, with uh, with these businesses. So it's it's very positive. As an entrepreneur myself, when I 
look at the messaging that you have, I think to myself, wow, you know, these are like-minded people. They get me. <laughs> um, and I think I'm always more likely to do business with folks like that. So I imagine that's playing out very well for you. So Russ, you were talking about, you know, this new tagline, this new positioning around encourage courage and all the great work that you're doing to kind of challenging the conventional ways that insurance companies go to market. How is the CMO's role as an influencer, you know, both up, down and sideways within the organization? How, how does that work for you? Because I know there's a lot of CMOs that struggle with this. Um, and I'm just curious what tips or, or how you think about it. Yeah, I think it's a, that's a great question, Alan. I, I think that when you are trying to do... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It could be any brand positioning, but especially with uh, our brand positioning and Encourage Courage. I guess one thing to think of to... to to mention to the audience is encourage courage for us. It's not a it's not an advertising campaign. It's not a strap line or a tagline or anything else like that. It really is. It's the it's the essence of of what we're what we're trying to build and and be as a as a company. So it's it, it's really deep rooted. And when you're trying to to do something like that, something of that magnitude, where you're trying to reach in and and affect the you know the soul of the company. And you need to really, really make sure that you have brought others. And I mean, I mean, when I say others, I mean everybody along with you. So internal, external. And when I say internal, you're, you know, your other fellow executives that they're bought in and you've solicited and, and gained their commitment to helping drive this message because you can't do it by yourself. That's one thing that... Um, if you expect to be, you and your department expect to be the only people talking about this, then uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult uh, road and, and it, pr it probably won't, probably won't work. You need to, this needs to be deeply seated. So you need to work effectively across all of the different functions. So firstly, up in terms of getting buy-in from your, either your board or the next layer or two layers uh, above wherever you, wherever you sit. Certain, certainly soliciting the other um, functional heads to ensure that they're doing their part and, and make it easy for them, map it out for what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. And then getting into the operations, making it very, very visible. So this is sort of the across mm -hmm. piece, getting with the, your, your chief operating officer, the, your head of IT to make sure that, that your brand platform, in our case, Encourage Courage, is visible at various touch points along the way. So it's this constant reminder of, yeah, this is what we stand for. This is where we're going. So in Hiscox, when you turn the computer on, the computer on in the morning, encourage courage is your, is what pops up. And 
we have advertising and so forth and in and creative in our in our um in our inside of all of our offices we've changed all the doors to say encourage courage and because i mean this goes on and on and on oh the daily reminder daily reminder. it's a constant reminder it is a constant reminder and even our i've got a uh, a channel marketing team and they they create content that makes makes it easier for our underwriters to have a conversation with their brokers about what we stand for as a company. So helping our underwriters sort of spoon feed them very, very quick pieces of information that they can talk to their, their broker about to reinforce what Encourage Courage means to us. And then obviously, you know, down into certainly my own department, my own organization, but also even further than that, ensure, uh, instilling in my, my team and others that if they're talking to their agency partners, that there's absolute clarity on what we mean by Encourage Courage and what we want to see them help us with in Encourage Courage. So our PR and comms team, they've got one set of uh, agency, rather, they've got one set of goals. Our creative uh, agency, they've got a set of goals. They all ladder back up to supporting Encourage Courage, but what, are, what it is they, they, that they will do to do that is is different. And then, uh, then lastly, as we talked about before, soliciting some help in, in sort of community building, if you will, with our, our small business insureds. They, they certainly know and see and feel this whole idea and concept of Encourage Courage, and we, and we invite them to share with us their version of Encourage Courage. How do they start their business? Why do they start their business? And we've got some incredible stories. So it, it is this somewhat virtuous circle where we stand for something very firmly and we believe in it. So it's not just what we do. It's, it's more important uh, that we talk about why we do it. And that's not for everybody, which is fine. But the people that we, that we reach and touch this way, it's, it's really powerful. So I think the CMO needs to sit at the, at the center of all of that. And make sure that they are always vigilant and keeping that in in their mind. Person I, I, I admire very much once once said to me, you know, the the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> so the main thing yes. is to keep the main thing the main thing. And 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 what what he meant what he meant at the time. And this is quite an elderly guy. I'm sure he's. Um, I almost know. I'm positive he's he's gone now. But. What, what he meant by that was always focus on the things that are most important. When I think about um, encourage courage, that to me is the main thing. And if we can continue to, to talk about what we stand for, why we believe that this is, is really important, and being able to ensure that that is inculcated in every aspect of our business, and using that to drive awareness, drive brand affinity, drive demand, for our product, that that will go a long way to building our business. So sh- shifting gears a bit, kind of a pivoting away from Hiscox, you know, we last talked about the role of CMO and and really how that role needs to be oriented towards growing the next crop of marketers. Um, and I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about that and our listeners, kind of in your own words. What you you seem very passionate about that, and I just want I want to kind of get that out there. Um, yeah, I think that the, the, the I think the role of a CMO, the role of any leader, uh, the way I grew up in the business, it was told to me at an early age. Look, your job as a leader is to make more leaders, and so if you're not doing that, then then you're then you're you may be a marketeer, you may be in the function, but you're not leading the function. And so, developing that next generation of really high quality marketeers. To me, 
that's that really is your legacy and that's what's going to benefit the craft of of marketing i think in in i think in marketing and in general the advertising marketing world whether you're on the client side or the agency side this function broadly um, stated people look at the at the at, at the work as their as their legacy so you talk to people on the agency side the creatives they'll say hey let me show you my my reel let me show you my reel of work right, right? or just a, just a body of work that they've they've created over over time like an artist will flip through their their book of work and on the on the client side a cmo or a senior marketing person would 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 talk about their life's work as let me tell you about all the brands that I worked on. And let me tell you about the brands that I, that I launched. And I guess for me, I look at it, while those two things are important, the ads and the creative to me has always been just a, a tool in my marketing toolkit to, to build the business. And the, and the brands that we launch and run and nurture, again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool to help further build the business. But I think for, for me, and I, I guess my, my hope for all the other chief marketing officers or aspiring CMOs is that you're only going to get that and it's going to make your job a whole lot easier if, if what, you, what you really focus on is your people and developing them to be the best that they can be. They're going to make your brands great and, and, and the best that they can be. They're going to deliver you a great creative and, and so forth. So to me, it's a real personal passion of mine to develop great people, the best that they, that, you know, to get them where they want to get to and have them be the the best marketers that they can be because at the end of your you know time as a as a, as a marketing head that's you can look back and say look I look at all these people that are now in very senior positions and doing great things and I, I helped them get where they where they wanted to get to so it's to me it's an immensely satisfying part of my my job I love the developing brands and shooting great creative but to me it all boils down to the people. Is there a couple things you might inspire, you know, a CMO to do? You think you think all CMOs should be doing these couple of things? Well, I think firstly, it's an acknowledgement. Well, I think all all CMOs should be should be taking taking developing their people really seriously. Look, even if you're not in a industry or at a company where marketing is the center of gravity, that's probably even even more important for you to take developing your people seriously because the company's training and hiring and decision-making isn't going to be centered around your team and your people. So taking it upon yourself to go and develop the skills along with them or getting them outside outside help, you know, webinars, seminars, et cetera, join a, join a marketing trade association, join the ANA or the BMA or one of those two and, or, or others, and, um, and really make, make development of your, of your team, you know, a, a real priority, not just something to do and run it off the corner of your desk. Uh, or if you have time, or if you have budget, I mean, really, just make it a make it a priority. It'll 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 pay off for you, and I think you'll, people will find it um, rewarding as well. So, I, I would say, you know, really take it seriously. Seek out other other CMOS or other people that you think are doing it well, and um, and look to them for some inspiration and shortcuts and tips and hints as well. So we're talking about the future marketers. I'm curious, what do you see for the future of marketing, the function itself? Yeah, I think that there's, um, you know, marketing is a, is one of those functions I found over over the years that I find it very um, helpful that marketing is has always been at least you know my twenty five plus years doing this, it's always been a function that's had to change rapidly, and so that's that I think that's a very very good thing, a very healthy thing for for us in this function is that we we've we've had to 
adapt to new challenges and new opportunities, whether it's, you know, shifting media landscape, shifting uh, regulatory environment, shifting conversation between the client side and the agency side and how agencies are structured and how you get work done and, and, uh, and so forth. I think all of that's been immensely um, helpful for us to, to adapt to change more quickly and therefore be able to seek out new opportunities more, more quickly. So I think that's been a, a really good, just almost a, a baked in process a skill that the marketeers in the US and probably around the world as well have, have really developed. That's one thing. The second thing is that we continue to um, have to harness and leverage new technologies. You know, the, it's been long said that marketing is always a blend of art and science. And I think that that is a, uh, it's, I think it's true. I think there's an awful lot of, awful lot of um, skill that uh, needs to be uh, deployed using just the creative, being able to see the, you know, the forest through the trees and knowing what is motivational and, and so forth. And over the, over the past, say, 15 years, I guess, there's been more and more data and analytics and, and quantitative aspect to the function. And I think that that's also a very, very good thing. I, I think for me, if I were to think about the future, I would sum it up by saying, you know, I think there's this ever increasing slant towards the science versus the art. If it was, you know, if back in the day, it was, you know, the old, you know like the Mad Men days way back, it was, you know, a lot more art than science. And maybe it's, you know, slightly more science than, than art. I guess my, I guess what I would say to, to young, younger marketeers is, you know, focus on the science because that's where the future is, but focus on the art because that's where the magic is. I like that. So if you think about other brands or companies that, that you, know, you look to um, or, or think about what they're doing, you find interesting, et cetera, who comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think... I try to consume as much as much broad uh, media as possible, and I tend to, uh, sadly, I tend to skip through the content and just uh, of like what the programming is, and just look at the ads uh, more than I look at the you know what's being you know what the TV or radio content is. And I think that there's an awful lot of good stuff happening with nonprofits. I think that oftentimes you know nonprofits get pro bono work done by creative agencies, not always, but, um, but some of them do. If you get an agency that has a particular cause that they want to get behind and with nonprofits, they, you, you do sometimes get the, the opportunity to be a bit more creative and bold and breakthrough and, and so forth. So you get some agency creatives that really, um, are, are, you know, let, letting loose, uh, cause they've, they've got a client that will allow them to do that. So, um, I look at, at a lot of the uh, public service nonprofits is doing some, some really excellent work. I look at things like General Electric, to be, to be honest, I think Linda Boff, who's their CMO, I think that, you know, she has really helped General Electric pivot from being this essentially a financial industrial, you know, GE Capital was such a huge portion of their business to rein, to reinvent themselves to being a, as they say, a, a digital industrial, you know, world's first digital industrial. And making that pivot in a way that is that can seem believable for such a huge, huge company, um, you know, a real behemoth, and the amount of money that they spend—not even money, I shouldn't say, because that's because they have a lot of it—but the uh, the amount of of energy and and research and testing 
that GE puts into new forms of media and marketing is impressive. And so they're always um, trying to stay on the cutting edge of, of what's going of what's working and what's what's um, available to them for for new tools that they can leverage, because you never really know what's what's going to work and what's not going to work until you test it. And I think th there's another company in the uh, in the UK that uh, usually does some pretty inspiring work. It's a retailer, John Lewis. Mm -hmm. They always tend to make a, a holiday ad. Yes. Yeah, I've and seen the uh, and yeah. and those are those tend to be heartwarming and they tug on your emotional heartstrings and all that kind of jazz. But so they're known for that. But they also have some pretty clever ads that they run throughout the course of the year, and it always does tie back and halo to to their brand and how they want consumers to think and feel about their that particular um, retailer. So I look at those, and then and there's a few others. I look at Zappos and what they what they are trying to continue to do to to build their build their brand. Nike always does inspiring work. I look to them for some new and interesting uh, kind of work. How they try to get new traction and replay, you know, and, and reinvent um, how how to uh, inspire athletes. So those are, those are a handful of ones that I I tend to gravitate to and look at. Now thinking about you personally, I'm curious uh, what fuels you, what fuels your success or, or drives you. Well, for me, I have I have just an immense amount of uh, passion and respect for the craft of marketing. I mean, I really, really love it. It's, it's an art form, but you get to use you know, both sides of your brain, the art and the science that we talked about before. It's, it is just an immense amount of work to get it right, but it is incredibly satisfying when you, when you do get it right. And, and I, I really enjoy the, the, the process of, of getting, it, getting it right. It is a, a multi-dimensional mixed bag of, of skills that you need to get, to get good at. And I guess, I guess for me, you know, I, I often talk about building a brand the way somebody builds a house, probably not just because I put myself through college building houses, but, but because I think it's, it's, a, it's an apt portrayal of, of the job of a marketeer, the way somebody needs to use all the tools in their toolkit. They can't just possess the tools. They can't go out and just buy the tool bag, buy the tools and call themselves, you know, a, a builder or a craftsman. They need to know how to use each of those tools and in what order and how they can maybe use the tool slightly differently to, to get it to do what they want it to do, even though the tool may not be exactly defined or designed to do that. So, but what you end up with is, you know, you have a vision, like a set of blueprints, and then you ultimately end up with a finished house. And I think that the same way is true. So I think part of what drives me is being able to really utilize all of those different skills between going and acquiring the skill, honing and refining that, and then being able to apply it. In, in a way that really motivates people. And, and ultimately, it creates demand for your product. And to see that happen is, is immensely satisfying. And I think the second thing for me is that while I just kind of talked a fair amount about how much I love marketing, to me, I've, I've always thought of myself as being a, a business builder that happens to have a, a specialty in, in marketing. But my, my, primary, my primary mindset is, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a business and the maybe extra special contribution that I'm going to add is I've got a you know a slant towards um, consumer behavior, consumer understanding, building a brand, et cetera. And so those two things together, that's what keeps me up at night. I mean, I I absolutely love what I'm doing and in the company. This we're doing some really good things. So as I tell my team sometimes, I I can't sleep on Sunday because I can't wait for Monday. 
<laughs> that's that's great. Well, um, well, thank you, Russ, for coming on the show. Uh, my pleasure, Alan. Thanks for having me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.